Hey everyone, before I start the podcast this week, I wanted to say thanks to all the listeners for getting Food About Town nominated for Best Podcast in the City Newspaper Best Of Poll. The final voting is going on now until October 14th, so if you haven't voted yet, please go to the City Newspaper website and vote for Food About Town for Best Podcast. Make sure to check off all of your other Rochester favorites as well. We're up against some tough competition, so let's get out the vote and give them a run for their money. Thanks for the support, everyone. And now, here's this week's podcast. I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. If you're new to the podcast, make sure to check out last week's episode, where I talked with Knucklehead Craft Brewing and Apple Country Spirits about their new collaboration on a 20% beer called Truce. Events coming up in the next couple weeks. Make sure to check it out. In episode 56 of the Food About Town podcast, I talked with Mike Nolan from iSquare. We talked about my restaurant review of iSquare from the city newspaper. We talked about where iSquare is now, what the food offerings are, how Mike got into uh, serving craft beer, and where iSquare is going in the future. Uh, at the end of the podcast, we did spend a little bit of time talking about the controversy with iSquare and Comida and all that stuff. Mike was very forthcoming, and I really appreciate that. If you want to listen to that stuff, it's about the last 20 minutes or so of the podcast. And, you know, it's the first time he's really talked about it since the controversy died down a few months ago. So this is all a little bit, a little bit separated from where it was before. So I think Mike has a different perspective on it from what you might have heard from him before. I actually just got back from visiting visiting iSquare at a beautiful beer on the rooftop. And I do have to say, even before we start, if you haven't been to iSquare already, make sure to take a stop over near the end of the day, catch a sunset on the roof with a beer or a nice glass of wine, and uh, really enjoy what they're trying to do over there. Uh, the more I go there, the more I enjoy it. So I would ask you, you know, Go, go support Mike and the impressive stuff he's trying to do over at iSquare. Um, you can find me on social media, at Stromy on Twitter, Instagram, Food About Town on Facebook. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it out on your social media and let me know what you thought. Thanks. Sitting here on a, I'd call this a perfect Rochester day. Mm-hmm. You, th- you think this is a perfect Rochester day? Oh, absolutely day? for me. Yeah. So we're sitting here on a perfect Rochester day, and I'm here with Mike Nolan. How you doing, Mike? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm doing very well. Um, so we're here, and what we're talking about today is Mike's project with uh, that's with your wife, right? Correct. Wendy and I are building the I Square project. 
I-square, which is in the same town I am, Irondequoit, even though we're just about as far away from each other in Irondequoit as we can get, right? Certainly, where you get a little land between us, but um, nothing but beautiful Irondequoit to travel. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of which, I'm loving the whole restaurant scene in Irondequoit right now. Yes, it's really growing. There's a lot of great stuff happening. Um, Eastridge Road is just really blossoming into something that it's never been before. Um, I've been in Irondequoit all my life. Just absolutely love what's happening there. Seabreeze, Somerville, Ice Square, um, the east side of town. We just have things going on everywhere, and I, it is great. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost, I've only been here for, Jesus, almost two years. But even in two years, it's the growth has been rapid. The diversity uh, is something I appreciate a lot with what's been popping up on Ridge Road and in and around that area. Yeah, um, I recently read an article about the um, ethnic restaurants along East Ridge Road, and it is really, absolutely. I hadn't thought about it before, but what a great collection of you know, different from the, you know, um, Monte Alban, of course, one of my favorites sure. with the Mexican. Um, but to have the others, um, you know, Chinese and uh, Asian uh, cuisine yeah, along there. I, I love the new Thai restaurant, um, the the Turkish restaurant over uh, SAV. I, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but <laughs> a, pl- a place that I love. Um, and I think the, the thing that I found amongst them is they tend to be family restaurants and they tend to be doing the things that they love. Right. They're cooking the foods that they love, maybe, you know, comfort foods for themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, Pasta Villa, you know, the original Italian sure. restaurant at Eastridge Road, and just such a mainstay, and it is, that they love making sauce. So, right. therefore, and you can taste it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's the case with every place that I've liked along the Arondequoit range, whether it's, whether it's Atlas Eats on the fancy scale of things, whether it's, like, the Turkish place, the Thai place. Um, all the other ones that are interesting, including iSquare, they're family businesses doing things they want to be doing. And they're trying to serve, they're trying to serve their people comfortable food. Right. And when, when we, you know, kind of designed the concept of iSquare and the food service that we were going to come, that we were going to bring there, um, that was certainly a, a front and center in our eyes was what does Rondequoit need? What do we want? What do we love ourselves as Rondequoit residents? And um, I, th- I think iSquare really does fill a nice niche um, between all the other, um, you know, complementary to a lot of the other food establishments because there are a lot of great ones. Yeah, absolutely. One, I think the, the nice thing is, well, let's define what iSquare is now. Well, we'll talk more about the future of iSquare later, but let, let's talk about what is iSquare now. Right. iSquare is the beginning stages of a town center development. You know, our first building is our casual food model. So it's got our whole casual food court, if you will, um, rather upscale um, by most people's definition. Um, but it has our conference center, has the rooftop garden seating area. So it's designed around food on the go, a great place to meet some, meet up with somebody, um, just something that's always open, whether it's 7 o'clock in the morning or 9.30 at night, seven days a week. You can come in and get a great plate of food. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's filling a need, certainly. Yeah, I think the accessibility of it is a huge part of why I think it's become a part of that community. Definitely, definitely. We've uh, we've quickly become a staple in the community for a uh, place to go, a place, a safe place for kids to come after school, 
a place for seniors, business people, um, salespeople meeting their clients, their girlfriends meeting up. It does just all kinds of different things, but it really, really quickly took hold that that's what that's what our purpose is, and it's a great place to bring people together. Yeah, so let's, before we dive into more details on what it is, um, let's, uh, I mean, right, it's located, for those who are familiar with the area, it's right across from the House of Guitars. Yes. Rochester that's... Landmark House <laughs> of Guitars. Absolutely, 52 years now, House of Guitars, which is just awesome. So, um yeah, just give a quick location other than that. and uh... So we're at uh, we're located at 400 Bakers Park is our first building. Bakers Park is uh, named after a childhood friend of mine, uh, Randy Baker, who passed away um, about 15 years ago from leukemia. Mm. And um, But Bakers Park is an extension of Cooper Road. So it created that four corners intersection. And um, 400 Bakers Park, or the market at I-Square, as it's called, um, is an open court food model so we have an ice cream place ice cream uh have um which i mean you can't go wrong with that name (laughs) no i can't go wrong with the name and the ice cream (laughs) because it's um it's uh ithaca's own um purity brand ice cream which is just absolutely phenomenal ice cream i had was it was delicious i mean it was you know it's it's not the most adventurous ever but a nice diverse selection of of flavors not just the basics Yes, in a, in a small homegrown company, uh, the owner of Purity came up and visited us before, just before we opened the ice cream to see what we were all about and really engage the process. Loves ice cream. Yeah. And uh, that was really cool. And uh, we have Hong Kong One, which was uh, formerly KJ's Chinese, which is a longtime uh, staple of Arundacoit. And uh, so they're now Hong Kong One. We have the Market Grill. Uh, which you know you've got a chance to eat there, Chris. I did. That was that was a topic of my review in the city newspaper. Um, I, I visited a couple other places in there tangentially, but my focus was on the the market grill part of the uh, development. Right, and then uh, right next door to the market grill is Pasta Cucina, which is a uh, pasta bar. So we feature uh, all different pastas, different sauces, great salads, uh, daily specials that that will just knock your socks off. Just great food. It's where our chef uh, John really gets to um, experiment and show his skills uh, a little bit. So you'll see a lot of great stuff at Pasta Cucina. Mm-hmm. And then we have Stir Coffee, uh, which is a uh, coffee bar open seven days a week, seven in the morning till 10 at night. And we have the Reserve Wine and Craft Beer Bar. So uh, we were talking earlier about craft beer, just a really, really emerging market. We're having a great time in that um, with the venue, just serving and staying up with the craft beer world and really trying to lead it yeah. in our area. Well, I think in a, in a great way that... The again, when I'm going to use the term accessibility a lot because I think it's one of the biggest advantages you guys bring to the table is you have you have a good craft menu. It's it's a solid craft menu, and as we were talking about before the podcast, you know you're you're taking the time to curate the menu. You're taking time and learning about the learning about the industry, learning about what's popular, and yes, definitely taking it on yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's something I totally. uh, contrary to my experience and background, um, but I'm just having a great time with that. Um, as everything is with I Square, the market at I Square, it's a learning experience for Wendy and I. We're new to the food <laughs> service industry as a whole, new to development and commercial development. So, 
every venture we take just something as um, in the scope of things as simple as opening a wine and craft beer bar is really challenging. There's mm-hmm. just so many great opportunities and, and products out there, knowing what to stock, when to stock it, seasonality, market changes, and just a really, really emerging market. But I, I think of all the intricacies of the market at I-Square, the craft beer curating has been my one of my highlights certainly um, yeah and it's and I think that's the that is the intriguing part about the about the industry right now is how you can you can find things you love and stick with it but if you decide to dive in it's such a deep pool it's a very deep pool I find myself tasting craft beers sometimes at 11 o'clock in the morning with a sales (laughs) rep and it feels really awkward mixing that with my coffee and um, but it, it is really fun, the flavors and the, and the range of products that's out there and the range of different likes from our customers and our consumers is just incredible. So it, it, it's a really cool match and watching people experiment with craft beer for the first time, for the second time, for the third time, and watching people go along that evolutionary process is it's really fun. It's yeah. really fun because you start out not quite sure what to order, kind of finding your way, finding your type of beer that you like. But once they kind of zone in on something they like or decide they're going to be like me, kind of forever experimenting, um, you just see light bulbs go off every day in that bar. It's fun. Well, and I think that's that's a really interesting point. And, you know, we can, you kind of brushed against it, but the fact that you have a, a craft beer bar located in a family establishment – where people are trying this stuff for the first time. I mean, I'm I kind of segregate myself away sometimes from you know family establishments and people who are new to this stuff. You know, I, I tend to segregate myself away from you know towards the people who are already nerds. Right, right, and a lot of people. Well, the true craft beer, you know, people are totally into it. The craft beer nerds, if you will, you know, tend to um, go to the trendiest locations. For some reason, we've gotten mixed in with that a little bit, so we tend to attract some crowds, which is fun because I'm learning from our customers every Mm -hmm. day. Every day we're finding out, like my conversation with you before the podcast, that another product, another maybe type of beer or style that's out there that um, maybe I haven't had the opportunity yet. So um, it's definitely a two-way street. Yeah, and I love the fact that you're able to introduce that to people and... I mean, I was going to bring it up later, but it's one of the great features of the building is that you're ordering food downstairs, you're ordering drinks downstairs, but you have a beautiful rooftop seating area yes. on top of the building. It's one of the more notable features of the building. There's you know, there's places that are trying to do it, and a lot of them do a good job, but I really enjoyed, because this is at the same time you can get a lot of different stuff, but a very casual atmosphere. You just bring it up and enjoy yourself. Right, right. And there, um, we also serve up there in the evenings, um, 4 through 10 o'clock on Wednesday through Saturday evenings. Uh, we serve on the roof. But it is. It's a nice um, kind of step away from the day uh, place. Um, the sunsets are beautiful up there. Um, the garden is, is really pretty to look at. We have great service. And like you said, you have such a variety of, options both food and beverage wise and to bring it all together in a beautiful place it does it does kind of bring the whole you know everything seems to gel well up there yeah one of my uh one of my coworkers is a 
Irondequoit, uh, Irondequoit gentleman as well. And I think he just recently moved closer towards towards I Square, and I pushed him to go over there. He would always go up to, you know, no no problem with this, of course. Go up to Marge's and sit on the beach. <laughs> yes, I mean it's, favorite it's, place. <laughs> it, it's a it's a great thing to do. But I'm like, well, if you don't want to go all the way up there and you don't want to deal with that kind of parking and everything up there, I'll take take a take a quick drive or a bike ride over to I Square and try out the rooftop. And he's been he's been there two or three times a week ever since. Oh, no kidding! Uh, that's awesome to hear. And um, yeah, we we love the idea of people embracing all different Arundelquite businesses. Marge is certainly one of the most notable um, businesses in Arundelquite. Um, but House of Guitars, the, all the different things we have going for us, that um, to be part of that team, part of that effort to really um, keep a home, uh, homegrown atmosphere in Irondequoit goes so far beyond I-Square, but I, I, I really, really enjoy being just one piece of that. And yeah. I, I see us someday being looked at in that light of kind of that one of the many Irondequoit um places to have to go to yeah well let's 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 take a brief detour off of uh i square itself and so you mentioned you're from Irondequoit. Correct. um been living there your entire your whole life, life. yeah yep. your whole life yep i grew up right on st paul boulevard and um uh, you know went to school through Irondequoit schools um Took a brief uh, eight-year stint. Uh, it was a long spring break. I, I took down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, <laughs> and uh, me and a friend. And it took us a while to get back home. But um, um, when I was married, when my daughter was born um, in 1992, was really our impetus for moving back to Rochester or moving to Rochester. And um, um, there was no choice for us, really, but to go to Irondequoit. I had just such a great experience growing up there. Um, everything isn't perfect and it never was, Mm -hmm. but it's a really awesome place to grow up. Just, just something about it and the people that are there and the, um, sense of community, the school system, um, really attracted us to move back there. So when, uh, but since we moved back in 1992, we've been there since. Yeah. So you moved back and what was your, what was your business before I-Square? Uh, I worked for Bob Johnson Chevrolet from the time I moved back here um, in 92 uh, up until I bought our machine shop. Uh, we bought our machine shop, which was our, our my dad's business, our family business. Um, I have five siblings, uh, so it wasn't a matter where you could just pass it on. Um, he contacted me one day. We we never could work together side by side. <laughs> Not uncommon, father, son. No, um, I, I understand. I mean, I, I love my dad. I've I did a lot of um, like we have a family greenhouse business back mm-hmm. in Buffalo. My my parents do, and you know I I can work with him when we're when we're working and doing stuff. But it's you know we clash too. Yeah. You know we we clash, and even though we're 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 strongly opinionated guys, <laughs> and yeah, we, we, we clash when feeling. we're working together. Right, and it happens. I mean, you can't get away from it sometimes. Right. So when he was my father was ready to retire. Um, in uh, 1999, uh, reached out to me and um, offered to sell our machine, uh, his machine shop to me. And uh, at the time, he had six employees. It was relatively small. He was kind of an uninterested owner at that point because he was retirement age coasting, if you will. Sure. And um, so it was intriguing to me because I was at that 
point where I had gone as far as I could within Bob Johnson Chevrolet. <laughs> I was general manager of his um, Ford operation um, and um, just had a great position, loved my job, but but I had nowhere else to go unless Bob was going to go. <laughs> you know, and, uh, that wasn't going to work. So um, so I took the opportunity. I bought our, out our family business. It's a machine shop, a factory. Um um, we had tremendous luck with it. It's grown. Uh, we've grown from um, the, I was seventh employee when I joined the company in um, early 2000. And uh, today we got about 65 employees. We run 24 hours a day. That's fantastic. We make all kinds of metal parts that go in all, all different things from cars to trucks, airplanes, Navy ships, uh, d- incredible amount of different um, industries we serve. But it's been really a lot of fun. Yeah, we've um, got some similarities there. I mean, that's the business I'm in right now as well. Mm-hmm. So my day job is in automation. So yes, and yes. I, I think it's one of those true Rochester specialties. Definitely, we are a um, you know inherently a blue collar town. We're an industrial town, but I think what um, the rest of the world envies about Rochester is just our tech- technical expertise. We grow up somehow, some way. There's this gene that's built in us that that works really well, automating, figuring things out, making things that are very difficult to make, and making them extremely well consistently. And um, I've never s- seen such a such a great pool of people and um, really engaged around an industry. It's a it's a wonderful industry to be in. I love my machine shop. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's, I think we have the benefit of, you know, generations of people that either, you know, we, we were we were dependent on the big companies for a long time, but what we did have inside of that was a, even if it was a, a workforce, not a white-collar workforce, it's still a blue-collar workforce, but it was a highly trained blue-collar workforce. This This was not a... This is not a, you know, rough and tumble. This is a highly trained blue-collar workforce. And I think that kind of passes along that that dedication to improvement, that dedication to quality. I think that passes along with from the families from generation to generation as well. Definitely, definitely. And it's something, you know, as the industries grow and, you know, the 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 onus put on manufacturers grows and the tolerances everybody wants everything better and more fail proof than ever when five thousands plus or minus is the starting point instead of the end point it is we work most (laughs) very frequently inside one or two thousandths of an inch as far as tolerance ranges and the um it's fun it's sorry to get technical people but. yeah really <laughs> i know everybody's like what thousands of an inch right we're, we're um, talking about food and now we're talking about thousands of inches but this yeah. is this is the other part of this is the other part of our lives and it is it's it's i love that because it's you know factory is a very controlled everything you put in place stays there um I-square, on the contrary, is so um, dependent on so many outside influences, whether it's the weather, the calendar, the day, the night, the, uh, just everything in the world affects construction, development, food service, have all these um, different elements to it that we don't experience walking into a you know fluorescent-lit factory that's 70 degrees 24-7. We don't have any outside influence. We're our own... Yeah, you know, everything's within our own control, and yeah. um, 
Um, I enjoy the challenge of ice square where it's not. We're not in charge anymore. You know, the weather is number one, you know, and uh, <laughs> other things. And it's um, interesting working around that, interesting to understand customer tendencies, you know, being in the retail business as opposed to, be, you know, manufacturer to manufacturer world that specs or our machine shop is in. Yeah, it's very different, but I think that I think the sensibility of it um, does help because when you're in the manufacturing business, things are planned. Yeah, there's there's planning, and even though there's more variability in the you know in the hospitality in the restaurant hospitality business, the more you plan, the less variation you end up with when you understand where your variability is coming from or try to understand. Yes, you can. Uh, I mean that's that's my thought point, anyways. No, it is the the knowledge we gain from owning a manufacturing company. Um, a lot of the uh, skill sets are directly applicable to I Square in in the hospitality industry. Um, one of the things that I find that um, isn't all that common in the hospitality industry that we thrive on in manufacturing is problem solving. Problem solving is a factory's number one. You know, getting to you know the real root cause of things and understanding where, why, and where failures will occur, um, isn't doesn't seem to be done in hospitality. But when you apply some of those same techniques, we kind of find ourselves foreseeing problems before they happen and hopefully heading them off before it creates a bad customer experience. Yeah, and um, that's what we hope to do anyway. Yeah. Well, let's transition. Let's transition back. I mean, it's it's fascinating ending up back in the restaurant business, ending up in the restaurant business after all this, all this, uh, you know, uh, diverse career background. Um, why why did you end up in essentially becoming a real estate developer and uh, a restaurateur? I mean, obviously you're you love Arondicoid, but right, right. Um, the real estate development side was. Uh, sure happenstance um it kind of found us um more than we didn't seek to get into real estate um i was just completely content to own our factory and to enjoy our uh things the way they were but my wife and i were building our new home in Arundaquite. we decided to build it ourselves um i love a challenge and um that's a big challenge <laughs> it was so we uh bought a property um here in Arundaquite. um undertook the development process ourselves. It was it had a lot of twists and turns. It was on a hill and had water stream running on it. So we had all different agencies involved in a lot of planning. And um, during the planning stages, um, and when we got to the town side of it, we were going to planning board meetings and, and town board meetings and hearing about this CVS that was going to be building on Titus Avenue, and they had submitted plans the same time I submitted plans to build my home, and I never really paid much attention to it. Um, but one of the meetings, I must have been paying more attention than normal, um, I happened to hear the address, and it was um, 701 Titus Avenue. They said and for the CVS, I thought, I know that address. I couldn't picture why, but I, just, I recognized the address, and it turns out that's Murph's Pub around a quick town lounge as it was for my most of my life mm -hmm. and um you know murph's is a staple in around uh, murph's is the most popular bar um biggest volume bar in around um by a long shot um it's a great meeting place family owned um 
And the, hearing that address, and so the next day I called back to the town. I said, "Was that was that right? Was that you know seven hundred one Titus or what? Did I, what did I hear? What was the um, what's the deal there?" They said, "No, they have a deal to buy out that plaza, and um, to demolish it and to build this new CVS there." And yeah, you know, I'm looking at the plaza. It had KJ's Chinese, which is my wife and I's favorite Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. Had Murray's Martial Arts. My son got his black belt through there. Um, had um, Murphs. Had a laundry mat. Had Edward Jones Financial, and um, just just a, a nice string of small businesses. They were all going to be given a check and closed. And um, it just rubbed me the wrong way because they weren't really into that. That wasn't what they were after, but none of them had the protection of a lease. Mm. Only one tenant in the entire plaza had a lease. A contract lease. Yeah, right. Wow. So nobody had protection whatsoever against them. So they were getting you know a $10,000 check to close your family business. That You couldn't move out. You couldn't get your equipment out of there no. for $10,000. So it was just, Ugh. you know, in different things. And births had a lease. They were the protected, and they were getting a much larger payoff. But it still wasn't it wasn't right. Um, so we contacted the then um, property owner, which was um, Bob Morgan, Morgan Real Estate, very, very prominent um, real estate developer here in town, and talked to him for about 30 seconds. And he said, Mike, it doesn't make sense. I understand what you're trying to do. Don't waste your time. Anything <laughs> else? Goodbye. And it was like the conversation was over. I'm like, hold on. And he, can't, he didn't hang up on me, but he was just like, is there anything else? Okay, goodbye. And I'm like, well, no. So the next day I went home, you know, thought about it some more, went back, picked up the phone again the next day, said, well, Bob, I'm not really doing this to make money. I called him back. I'm not doing this to make money, but I kind of want to buy this plaza. He said, you don't want to buy the plaza. It doesn't make sense. Blah, blah, blah. He says, trust me, I've been doing real <laughs> estate all my life. I'm an around quick guy. I think the world of the place, but you don't want to do this. And um, Two hours later, we made a deal to buy the plaza from him for $1.2 million. Wow. Um, it wasn't worth $200,000, um, <laughs> but it didn't matter. Um, we all we had a nice long talk, and actually, Bob Morgan helped me out a lot. He helped me. Uh, he had the option to buy the plaza next door, uh, which was an important part of it because CBS was going to take both the plazas over, although it didn't have as many homegrown businesses in it. It was still an important piece. But um, from there, we went to, um, you know, we bought up that. We bought up uh, 13 other plazas in the next 90 days, 13 other structures, buildings. Wow. Um, and um, form, um, went to the uh, a group called the HIP Group, um, helping around to quite plan progress. And they dusted off some plans from 1983 that were kind of updated in 1988, for this beautiful town center development that should be at Titus and Cooper and Hudson intersection. And I spent four or five hours studying these plans. They were phenomenal. This was the most well-drawn-out plan. I was 10th grade in high school when they were drawing up these plans for this area. Um, It was just awesome. They showed straightening out the intersection to make four corners. They showed buildings built right up on the roadside. They showed wide sidewalks concrete street light poles, just all this great stuff that yeah. was like way, way, way ahead of their time yeah, in I mean, the that's, 80s. That's all the stuff that people are dying for nowadays. This is, this yep. is, that is textbook modern urban square 
design. It is. It is. Everything they said, everything that was written up in this was right out of an urban development that would be current information. Yeah. Um, it was right on. We use those plans. We use those almost explicitly to design I-Square. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. They did a lot of our work for us. So it's um, all we're doing is, you know, so we're really not like the inventors or the creators of this concept. We're just the people that kind of put it together. That's that's a fascinating story, and I mean that's. It takes a lot of gumption to jump in and do something like that, something outside of your comfort zone, and something that's um, ambitious. Gum- ambitious. <laughs> gumption is one word. I have a whole bunch of other words that have been uh, yeah. that action was described as. Since my wife could give you a whole list of them, but um, none of them. Uh, it is good at the end of the day. We're it's ambitious. Right it, it is one of the more ambitious concepts and ideas I've seen in a while. And regardless of, you know, gen, uh, general fiscal responsibility, you know, I appreciate that. I really do. I, I love the fact that you're doing something that you just thought you thought was right. And, of course, there's there's some potential gains in there for you as well. Yeah, because we hope it's, to. Yeah, it's a, it's a business in the end. Right. Regardless of anything else. And I don't fault people for running a business as a business. Right. Yeah, it's, um, it will never, and I've said this for years, I'm I, as popular as we've become, I'm not sure it's 100% true anymore, but we've said we'll never make a profit from iSquare. It's never been our vision to make our living from iSquare. It's been our vision to create a legacy, to create a... Uh, to fill a need that we've had in Arundkoit to create something that um, my kids' kids can enjoy and, you know, um, <laughs> school-age children that um, will have oh, for a long time. But because we have had a tremendous amount of attention. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we've, we haven't mentioned it yet, but we're, we're going to go into that stuff for a bit. I, I, re- I wanted to focus on... I square itself because I love so much about it, and I didn't. I wanted to talk about that first, get that, and not get it out of the way, but really focus on that because it's that part of it's just as good a story, if not a better story, than all the controversy. Yes, the controversy um, serves its purpose, and I think everything to do with I square is kind of like I said. This has really happened upon us. There's no, there was never a conscious decision made that we're going to build a town center, that we're going to do this, that we're going to do that. It just kind of rolled into that. And um, <coughs> it's pure. Our intentions are truly pure. Uh, they always have been. We we have our machine shop. We make our living there. Um, we don't need anything else from that. You know, we have everything we we need. But but it we're looking for that purpose, that thing. Uh, that thing. So it's great to have money. Sure. If you don't do anything good with it, what good is it? Um, I don't want to die with a bunch of money. I don't plan on it. I don't plan on leaving <laughs> my kids a whole lot. Sorry, guys. Um, but, you know, it, it. so it's great to um, earn a good living. I've been fortunate to do that. Um, but, to, but to apply that to a better, to a bigger purpose, to take something instead of just making Wendy and I's life awesome, incredible, whatever we want to do type life, can't we maybe make everybody's life a little bit better instead? And that's kind of the viewpoint that we're trying to take from whether it does ever become profitable or not. We almost don't care. Yeah. 
I, I respect that a lot. And it's one of those things when you when you take a step back and look at it, it's you you need to evaluate the way you're doing things sometimes because you can you can fall into that stuff pretty easily. If you're not following what you want to be doing, one way or another, you know it's adding challenge for the sake of purpose. I think is a worthwhile thing, mm-hmm. regardless of what your purpose is, whether it's you know finding whatever your passion is. I don't. It doesn't matter. But finding finding challenge and purpose in your life is always worthwhile. I think so. I think so. And it, you know, it, I probably didn't always agree with being you know or or was never you know in a position to empty our bank account for a good cause yeah you know most people would never do that and you know and um but you get to that point and you realize that you know what's it all about what's it all for where are we going you know what do i really need you know in my life i'm i have very very simple needs personally you know, I need my jeans, my sneakers, my <laughs> shoes, yeah, a whole bunch of T-shirts, um, yeah. but um, and collared shirts for when I go do podcasts and stuff. <laughs> but um, but short of that, yeah, I get simple needs and simple thing. But I get more reward and more um, just feel good about myself seeing the group of little old ladies sitting in the corner having coffee that are laughing or celebrating one of their birthdays or the kids that are coming through there. And, you know, I can just sit and be an observer at in the market at I-Square for any given time of day, whether it's 9 o'clock in the morning, noon, 6 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night on the roof, just somewhere, and I can spend there. And I'm so charged up to go at the next day because it's, it's, it's it, it makes you feel good. Yeah. You're seeing people have fun. Knowing what that area looked like before, knowing all these dilapidated houses and people generally wouldn't even travel to the back, what's in the back of I-Square now, um, because it was kind of a creepy, dark little space. Yeah. And um, But to see that turn around to something that's families and fun and people having ice cream and kids jumping up and down and, you know, to, to you know, groups of 10 or 12 kids doing their homework after school there... Uh, that's what we're all about. It, it's it's awesome, and I really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's talk about. Um, you know, when I went there for my review um, for the city newspaper, um, and if you want to go back and read it, um, you can search for I Square at the city newspaper, and you'll find that review. Um, one of the things I'm not sure you ended up even mentioning in the review, but we had talked about that night when I got a chance to meet you before, was how many high schoolers you employ. At I Square, yes. I mean, yes. it's you, we're not, and not only were they high schoolers, I thought they were some of the better trained young workforce people I had I had seen in the business because they were sharp, they were on point, and they noticed the little things, which is very difficult with a with a young uh, with a young group of employees. Absolutely, um, Wendy's. Favorite, favorite, most favorite part about I squares are is our is our teen employment. They run the place essentially. We have forty five employees at I Square today. Uh, Twenty nine of them are high school students. Wow! Uh, so they run the place. They roll the place from um, being at all different levels, from bus boys or porters, as we call them, to servers to uh, <coughs> key holders, which are our, it's a sh- early term for a manager. 
Um, but we have seniors and juniors in high schools that are supervising other teens. And to, to watch the evolution of that is absolutely re rewarding. It is, it ju it's just one of those feel-good things. Um, we just let um, eight of our students went off to college this year, eight of our employees. And um, five of them have been with us since the very first day. We opened July 4th, 2014, and we gave away free ice cream all day. We didn't know how to, <laughs> we didn't have a cash register. So in order to open, we had to just give it away. Right. So it was a practice day. But um, five of those um, teens then, you know, 16-year-olds, went off to college this past week. And to just get a chance to reflect with each of them where they started, whether they were nervous, whether they couldn't look a customer in the eye, whether they were just shaking in their hands, whether they were scooping ice cream, whether, and to see where they become um, five for five were managers before they left. Wow. Um, just an incredible um, growth that they went through. But they each took the time to write us a letter. And um, I tell you, it brings tears to your eyes because they talked, each one of them took the time to talk about where they had come from, where they were at when they're 16. And as we all know, 16 is a terrible age. It's awkward. It's turbulent. It's, yes. <laughs> Everything is happening. And um, so to describe that and to and have them describe where they felt they were at when they joined our company to where they feel they're at now in their preparation for college and their preparation to live on their own for the first time and... Um, just awesome. Um, we would be 100% student employed if we could get away with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it, uh, those darn work permit rules uh, kind of get in the way. But um, the um, so we have uh, yeah we're adult run during the day now. Going back to school as school's about to start again, and we're preparing for that. Um, but the student employment is, is just a truly rewarding thing, and I'm glad you noticed um, how professional they are. It's, yeah, and. There's there's so much value in working, and you know I I've had I mean personally I've had such a weird diverse path of work I've worked since I was a kid I never mm -hmm. didn't work we were, <laughs> me too we always we always had to work we you know family business means you worked yep and I I always worked um and you know you transition to different areas you know you go you know I went to the University of Rochester where a lot of people didn't have to work. Right, and I think you you definitely come to appreciate what that work brings to you, and I'm sure some of those kids never worked before when they came to you at 16. No, actually, I think out of eight kids that went to college, we were all there for we were their first job in every case. Right, and, and uh, what what a change from having responsibility and working. It's somewhere that wants to give you that responsibility. It's it's uh it's it's uh, I'm struck for words when I when I think about that because it's a it's a great thing for someone who didn't have a chance to do that when they were younger. Right, that that chance to work, that opportunity, um, which is something that was a, a vision from our early plannings of I Square, said we want to employ a lot of young people and and keep that life. It. it it's great for them, and they have a great experience. They walk away, hopefully, with something um, being stronger and better than they were when they walked through the door. But, but for the rest of us adults, you know, uh, 21 of us or so adults that work at I-Square, it, 
it brings a, it raises our level of professionalism it raises our training efforts it raises everything so having those students around raises the bar on us adults to a degree that makes us so much stronger um because you want to be you want to lead if you have a 16 year old that's totally impressionable 17 18 year old you really you have an obligation to show them what a good work ethic looks like and everybody all the adults at i square take that so seriously that we want to be that role model we want and you know we talk to the kids about how do you take that piece take a piece of mike take a piece of wendy take a piece of chris take a piece of, and learn something from each one of them and fill your own toolbox because you don't want to be just like mike or just like chris or just like wendy or danielle or a but you want but you got one thing you can take from each of them and if you do that and you package it up and you make your own toolbox of skills and traits and mimic the things you like about chris go away from learn also maybe what you don't like maybe chris gets a little edgy and you know he's a little <laughs> something in the morning you know so learn from that and say well i like everything about him after lunch okay well cool we'll copy those skills that you see and those traits that you see yeah. and um but yeah i find a lot of them that are doing that that take it seriously um west around schools east around schools bishop carney all districts that we draw from for our employees are so supportive and really prepare them well academically. Now we introduce the real world side to it and it's just an awesome combination coming out the door. I'm so proud of the students that have left us and are moving on to bigger things. I love the, I mean, that that's one of those things that, you know, my parents always instilled in us was, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to take the best from the best and learn and take the lessons learned from where they came from. Right. And when I, when I heard you say that, it's uh, very reminiscent of things I've been told since I was a little kid yep. from, from my parents as a, that was their goal, you know, as parents was to have us take the best yep. and use the lessons learned and move forward from that. So, That's I, so much I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, cool. Thanks, Chris. Um, so I think what we're going to do is we're, we're going to pivot controversy. We're, we're going to pivot to the controversy. <laughs> we, we, we knew we, it had to come out. We, we did. We, we, we just got through, you know, for, for me, a, is something I, I take dear to the heart. And now we talk, go to media coverage and all, all the explosiveness around and what really, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately brought i square to my eyes for the first time was the controversy right i think i'd heard about it before but and we've we've said the word controversy we haven't defined what it was <laughs> right. so i think what we'll do first is a little background before the controversy was part of the development you worked with this uh county initiative called comita correct as part of your development of the i square um, I-square complex. Right. Comida um, enables you to, to get tax breaks, um, both in sales tax, which is the number one reason why most builders go to them, because otherwise you'd be paying sales tax on two-by-fours and drywall and that things that aren't even expected of a homeowner to do. In a home, mm -hmm. you sign a capital improvement form. Comida is that same leg for business. And uh, it's an essential piece to development. 
And I mean, that's that is why they exist is to work with developers and small businesses and larger scale businesses on, you know, tax incentives to get employees. Right. And as part of that, and, and correct me when I'm wrong, I'm not an expert in any of this. You've lived with this a lot more detailed <laughs> than I have, um, unfortunately. But my, my understanding is that, you know, they're, they're working with all these businesses. And as part of that, you have a, a schedule for creating jobs, a yes. schedule for creating buildings. Yes. And that's what you're supposed to meet to continue the scheduled breaks, which do change over time. Correct. So you don't get the same breaks the first year that you do the second and third and fourth years. They could. Depending on your contract, there's different levels of that. Um, but yes, essentially you have to do that to keep up with your tax breaks. You have to um, meet certain obligations uh, you know, and follow the letter of the contract. <clears throat> and that's really what it comes down to. It is a contract with the with Comito, with a development agency, so you get these tax breaks. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a key tool for development. There's, I don't think there's any doubt about that right now. That it's No, and I think it's an essential tool. As much as people heard me complain about Comita and some of their actions, the, um, their purpose is essential. Um, you couldn't build buildings and pay sales tax on every building material you purchased for uh it, nobody would build anything anymore if it if it wasn't or it'd be much more difficult to yeah so i mean we're going to use the use that term a lot you know Kamita as as we talk about this stuff but just regardless of what else happened they they were a key part in getting you started and you know working with you and they're going to continue to be a part of you working and Correct. developing this this whole complex? Yes, they they have to be. You know, we have annual reporting with them. We are still under a contract with uh, Comita, which by definition, they're County of Monroe Industrial Development Agency. See, I, I thought so, about writing down the writing down yeah. the acronym. I figured you probably knew it. Yeah, no, I do. <laughs> I know that one all too well today. Um, and it, they, it's not a bad thing, you know. And I think uh, you know some people who don't completely understand how Comita operates, um, took our complaints as something against the process of Comita, and it really isn't. Uh, that, um, you know, make really clear, we appreciate the process, we appreciate their purpose, um, and don't want to see that agency go away. It, it really would have a really detrimental effect on development in our county. Right. And, you know, before we dive into what, to my eyes, looks like a lot of partisan politics coming up, Comita itself is supposed to be nonpartisan itself. Correct. And, it's supposed uh, to be a nonpartisan seven-member group purely working with the businesses for development purposes. Yes. Yeah. So they, and, and they are, they do cross a lot of political boundaries you know they have democrats and republicans and independents all sitting on their board and they've met that um uh, non-partisan uh obligation in my eyes yeah so let's dive into the first part of this so as we talked about really what this is is a con what i square is working with comida on is a contract for development and 
what ended up happening was when the um, former town supervisor of Arondacoit moved on, uh, Adam Bello moved on to a higher position in county government, which it seems like it was, you know, seems like he's the, the right guy for that. It seems like a... I agree. Um, based on everything I've heard of him, uh, seems like a really interesting fellow. Yes. Yeah, yeah I really like his um, his style. He's very positive, forward-thinking, open guy. Yeah. So he, he moved on from being the town supervisor of Arondacoit, which that's a pretty good job. Now he's the county clerk of Monroe County. Correct. And when he left, it seemed like there was a shot taken at him from the Republican uh, Republican chair, Bill Rylick. Right. And the shot was regarding I-Square. Yes. Yes, he uh, referred to I-Square in a press release as failing um, and that we were in economic or... Um, financial woes we're experiencing, I think was his words that he used. And um, <clears throat> it, it couldn't have been more untrue. Um, yeah, certainly when he said it, you know, um, but it was, it was a very um, poorly aimed shot at Adam Bellow, um, who, you know, and that appointment came from our governor. It was a governor in New York that appointed Adam Bellow to that position mm-hmm. of Monroe County clerk. Um, not even sure why, because it was a less pay. He makes less money as a county clerk than he does as town supervisor. But it was it was a good, he's the right person for the job. Mm-hmm. I think the governor recognized that. I think he, Adam came highly recommended for that job. But honestly, I was sad to lose him in a um, You know, that I really liked the um, progress that he had begun and really got underway and the um, forward thinking that he brought to Arondequate. Yeah, I've heard him on uh, Evan Dawson's show a couple times, mm-hmm. and I really um, I enjoyed some of his, his thoughts on you know the, the zombie properties in and around Arondequate and heard him on this topic, obviously, um, when he was on on that. Yes. Um, and I, I was pretty impressed, truthfully, with what, the way he uh, handled himself about the whole thing. Yeah, he kept, um, he stayed above the line. He really didn't, there were so many opportunities um, because the issue quickly turned from a Comita and I-Square slash Adam Bellow thing. What started with the chairman, Bill Rylick, the of the GOP, or mm-hmm. Monroe County Republican Party chair. Uh, Bill Rylick took the first shot. Then everything got through the media and everything else who said what and you know and what was that and there was a lot that um, came down over the next few weeks what impressed me the most about Adam is that there was so many opportunities he could have jumped in the fray and done this and he really kept a high hat about him he didn't um, lower himself down to um, the people who were saying things about I-squared that Adam absolutely 100% knew weren't true. Yeah. So, I mean, stepping away from, you know, obviously this this kind of came from that. And what happened was a media explosion. I mean, a true media explosion locally. <laughs> yeah. It was, I think, God, it was almost, what, three months, three or four months straight of constant news stories on the controversy from 
um, you know, secretaries resigning to who knew what when, pulling cell phone records, and you know, it, it this it turned into you know conspiratorial shots between people and who knew what, and right, it, it got crazy really fast. It did. Well, you know that saying, you know, sometimes the cover up is worse than the crime. <laughs> um, yeah, and it it, it it got crazy, and you know, it, from people resigning inside of inside of our county government to over half of the Comita members resigning. Right. Um, right. I it's, mean, this it got out of control. How, how do you feel about the whole thing? When in, After all that craziness, three, four months of craziness, and all these people getting involved and resigning, and yeah. how, how does that, how does that, in the end, how does that make you feel? I'm still angry. I'm very angry, and anybody who saw me on the news back, through those three and a half months or so that it was, um, uh, could probably recognize the anger both in my voice and in my um, appearance and what I had to say. Um, I I did my best to keep my composure the best I could, but what was what was said, what was done, in an attempt to smear Adam, to smear I Square. Um, was just so unbecoming of public service that I'm still bothered by because the people that really at the root cause of this are still collecting a paycheck from our taxpayers. That that annoys me to no end. Um, um, our county executive's involvement, Geraldine Alfa, was front and center, directly involved from before this was released. She got an email saying what was going to happen. She didn't do anything about it. She's an Arundaquite resident. She lives closer to I-Square than you do, Chris. Yeah. She's six blocks from there. For her not to put the brakes on this thing, but she did worse. She kind of built onto it and grew the lie and grew the cover-up. And um, every time I think or talk about it, I get upset again. I sorry, I clenched well, my fist. I can see you know? it. You know, we, I kinda... we, we just had such a great conversation <laughs> about all these these great development things and I mean, you can see it in your in the in your demeanor, and I recall the first time I heard you was on was on Evan Dawson's program. <laughs> right, that was the first time I heard you talk was on that program, and such a, such a such a tumultuous time. And you could you you can you can hear it. I could hear it then. I mean, it was such you could hear the frustration. You could hear that. Right. I'm um, trying to guard against it. I was trying. Well, not, to, no, I, you know, yeah, but you can guard against as much as you want. But it's when it when it comes out, it, you can't avoid it. Right. right, and I mean nobody had to deal with it more than you guys. Right, we were certainly the most publicized controversy. I mean, one of the most in Rochester's history, <clears throat> yeah. which is unbelievable for the number of times we were in the Democrat and Chronicle. Uh, uh, just unbelievable. But um, you know, at the end of the day, there's a handful of people that um, are in positions that they truly don't deserve to be in. Uh, when, when, and if they they move on, will will be a better place. But it's not government wide. It's not Comita wide. It's not Arundelquite wide. It's just a select uh, six people um, that are will do anything to try and improve their posture and their position. Um, they. Um, 
even at the cost of the people who support them. And it just, just really bothers me. So I look forward to the day that I hope that, if nothing else, that that this is outed through I-Square. If we were a vehicle to get these handful of people to move on to their retirement or wherever they're heading <laughs> from here and get them replaced with good, competent, strong leaders that this area deserves, I'll take that three and a half months of very... Um, a very a bad time for us. Uh, nobody wants to be picked on. If you were a news reporter and somebody went out there and really spread the word, said you got no credibility. You lie about every story you tell. You do this. It's like the worst thing you could say about a newscaster or an anchor. As a developer, the worst thing you can say about them is that they're financially struggling, that they're in trouble, because who's going to want to move in there? And they're not meeting their contractual obligations. Right. It just bad. It's like the number one worst thing you could say about somebody. Right. And and the developer, and compared to anything else, they'd say a doctor is dirty and has bad practices. Yeah, I mean, every industry has its worst thing you can say about somebody. This is the worst you can say about a developer. And... Um, because it's not true. Wendy and I are financially sound. We're, we're prepared to complete the development as stated. Um, right. I mean, there was, you know, it seemed like there were, it seemed like there were either technicalities or things people were locking in on. Is a building a building? Right. I mean, I, we're not going to get into every detail. It, it would take no. forever. But I mean, it was like, is a building a building? Does this really count as part of a development? Right. And those are Those are things that need to be worked out in my eyes, between the development agency and the developers. Right. It's not like you weren't moving forward in good faith. Right. Our, uh, we, the things that really matter the most, um, first off, to go back to the very first point of it, number of buildings built, there's a point there. It, it's a very debatable point, you know, whether you say whether you build a second building or the number two building. and. <laughs> That's really all three and a half months of news was about. Second building or, you know, number two building. Right. And who cares? At the end of the day, we create, we, our investment is millions beyond what it needed to be. Our benchmark for our, for our job creation benchmark, we had just blown away. We're supposed to have 20 jobs. We've got 40 some. Every other, you know, everything that really matters is whether... Somebody says it's not the number two building, it's your second building. Who cares? Grasping at straws it, to justify. It was. It was trying to get out of something, again, to cover up, and it just prolonged it rather than say, you know, we shouldn't have bashed a privately held business. We're government. We're not. Uh, we're, um, th- we shouldn't do this. Yeah. And somebody just backed down, simple apology. Something um, within the first few days could have ended this whole thing very um, abruptly, um, where it finally ended, um, and, um, you know, it just took too long, you know, it just took a long time to get there. took a long time, and it seems like, it seems like the investigation part kind of fell, on to, fell to the wayside, too, and, and as we talked about earlier when you're talking about the machining business, it seemed like root cause may not actually be discerned in this case. No, no, it wasn't. Um, it was in um, eight or ten of us know one hundred percent what happened and know exactly where the cause, the liability falls. Um, that will never come out 
And um, yeah, at some point after three and a half months, Wendy came to me and said, I can't fight this anymore. I don't want to do this. It's, it's affecting our life. It's affecting our business. It's affecting everything we have. And it's just not worth it. So from that day on, we agreed we weren't going to talk to the media anymore. We weren't going to pursue the truth anymore. Um, so we let Cheryl Dinolfo off the hook, basically, with her last um, press release, um, which is about 50 to 60% truth, yeah. um, uh, which is closer, a lot closer than she had been before. Um, but we, we made a conscious decision to stop and to take the high road and say, you know, we don't want to. We don't want to fight this battle anymore. Um, we'll work very hard to see that Cheryl Dinolfo is not reelected. Um, I feel very strongly about that. She does not warrant the position she has and has not lived up to her promises. Um, almost 180 degrees from her promises. So we'll fight that fight out at some point. Um, but up until that point, until there's something we, some purpose for our continuing to fight this out and some outcome that's desirable to us, there's no sense in us doing anything right now. Yeah, it's a waste of energy. Kind, kind of just of brings thing. controversy back to you instead of, like you said, trying to exact some change. Right. You can't. You can't change stuff right now. No, we can't. We're not in a position to. And the best thing we can do is just to keep proving that we're going to do what we're going to do, that our intentions are pure, that we're building I-squared, that we are financially sound, that everything is, you know, is good. And just and just live it our, on our own rather than argue about it, just tuck our heads down and do it. Yeah. Has the whole situation changed you? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Um, I'm the ever-optimist. Um, I try to see the best in people no matter what. Um, I found there's a time and a place where you just can't find something good in people. And, um, it's kind of disheartening. Um, but it's also probably an important fact of life to understand. Um, people don't always think like Wendy and I, um, people don't always, um, put others best interest in front of their own, um, regardless, even if they're paid to, um, so I think there is, but we've also seen an incredible amount of very positives. I've had people come out that we've gotten to know through this kind of that experience, you know, and that whole controversy that really showed some really positive true colors as well. So I, th I think as much as I saw some bad and uh, learned some new lessons on how people can be, I also saw some very positives and reaffirming. So. Well... So what's next? What's next for I-Square? What, what does the future hold? Well, we got a lot. Um, we are just underway, uh, just got started on our next building. Uh, it's our building number four and the fourth building we're building. <laughs> this is kind of unusual. Um, but um, it's, uh, it's often started. Uh, it's an art and science center, so it's a free place for our community to come and visit. Uh, we'll have art displays. Um, we'll have a lot of um, semi-industrial. It's kind of a cross between my machining world and manufacturing world to um, um, being in the town center type business. Um, it's a uh, net zero building. 
So we're going to make all our own power. So we'll have two wind turbines. We'll have solar panels. We'll have a gym where all the ellipticals and treadmills are generators so that you can come into my gym and work out for an hour. And we'll actually, it, you wouldn't have to pay a membership if you create so much power. It's a reverse gym. So it's we fantastic. encourage you to show up a lot. But you'll make power in. So the whole building will run on zero energy and have zero emissions, which is uh, for a 9,000-square-foot building. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. So uh, we'd all like to have no electric bill. This building truly will do that. Um, but open to the uh, public, uh, encourage for field trips and um, school classes and that to come and check it out. Um Alternative energy, I, I feel very strongly, is an important part of our future, important part of uh, school-age kids. They're going to live this. Um, to look and see other markets that really embrace alternative energy, um, certainly Europe, but a lot of other areas, even out in the western United States where it's really strong, where you see a lot of solar panels and a lot of wind turbines and a lot of that um, there's also a lot of um, misnumers, misinformation out about alternative energy. And Absolutely. We are out. It, what a cool way to bring, if we can bring alternative energy into a town center development, now we are getting it. Because most alternative energy efforts are done on college campuses. They're kind of preaching to the choir. I mean, the... Kid, these guys are already embracing it. How do you get to the guys my age, you know, the 50-somethings and 40-somethings and 60-somethings and tell them that wind turbines and all this are really positive and what you've heard about them may or may not be true. But now if we put them in a town center where we get seven, eight, nine hundred visitors at I-Square a day, we have a real platform to encourage alternative energy and uh, manufacturing of it on a... Um, small scale basis and yeah it's only only good for the town and um i know there's a lot of solar in initiatives right here in town right now rock spots been pushing really hard for it yes and you know the corollary corollaries with germany with how much solar they use in a similar climate zone that we have right is, we're really ripe for it. it it's only makes sense and the the financials are there it's it's an exciting time to be in that yeah, and to be so. spearheading that is uh, another uh, another feather in your hat, sir. Yeah, and tonight we have actually Solarize around Equate. The town is holding a meeting at I Square tonight. Oh, are they really? That's great. Solarize around Equate. They had a uh, hour and a half seminar about um, residential grade solar systems. So that's, that's cool. fantastic. Well, um, let's uh, let's give another plug out there for for I Square. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I-Square, 400 Bakers Park, located just off Titus Avenue in Arundequoit, right next to the great, great House of Guitars. And uh, we are open seven days a week, seven in the morning till 10 at night, 11 at night on Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays. Great homemade food, craft beers, 24 different wines by the glass. Um, just a terrific selection and my favorite, ice cream. Uh, 24 flavors of um, New York-made ice cream that's just terrific. Again, open seven days a week. Um, come down and check us out. Go enjoy some beautiful views from the rooftop of Arondacoit. And you'll visit visit what I would truly consider to be a core part of Arondacoit going forward. 
So um, well, thank you, Mike. Thanks so much for stopping by. It was a great time. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Chris. Have a great night. See ya.